Hello, and welcome to another episode of Whole and Complete Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Shantae, and Whole and Complete is all about faith and wellness, loving God and living well. And as I said, we are in the middle of a series, Getting Right When the Church is Wrong. And so we've had the first two episodes of that series. And normally on the third episode, I would invite a clinical expert or a minister, you know, to kind of come and give some perspectives uh, that I have not previously considered. But before I do that, I wanted to bring in some voices of people who have experienced church hurt, people that I know personally have experienced church hurt and just people who were just willing to step forward and be transparent. And so one of the voices that you are going to hear now is a friend of mine, a person who actually grew up in the church that I left and she left long before I did. Um, I think she saw the bad moon rising <laughs> long before I did. And I was just in denial um, because truth be told, uh, the church that I left is a is an aging church. The median age of the membership is like 63, 65. And I was like the last of a dying breed because every single young person in my generation left. Like as soon as they could get away, they got away. And I tried to hold on, you know, God's unchanging hand and 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 try to change it from within. And ultimately, I to reach uh, a conclusion that many of my peers had reached long, long before. And so I have so many stories of my own of church hurt, but I'm going to let my friend Andrea tell her own story. So hello, ma'am. How are you? Well, good afternoon, Miss, excuse me, Dr. Holly. Um, thank you for having me. I am doing well and considering an honor to speak with you today uh, regarding my experience with church. We're not going to mention any names, y'all, you know, because honest. and let me just be very clear. So some people are, are and especially I can only speak to to my experience in African-American churches. So some of you might be wondering why I do this, you know, and because people who are resistant to therapy, resistant to counseling and the process that is required for healing, they hate to, to dredge up the old stuff, the old wounds, because they think it's going to do more harm than good. And that's just not the truth. That is that has never borne itself out. Uh, what that is, is fear. What that is, is triggers. What that is, is a reluctance to face their own stuff. And so these voices that you're going to hear are people who have faced their own stuff. And in the book of Revelations, it talks about how when we have, you know, ultimate victory, we overcame not just by the blood, but by the power of our testimony. And so there's power in your testimony, especially when you're on the other side of it. So, Andrea, I've known you a long time, a mighty long time. <laughs> um, we met at at church. And as I said, you left long before I did. And you had experienced so many things, some of and we've shared some of those experiences. And so with respect to church hurt, you literally could go Ikebika soda cracker, Ikebika boo, Ikebika soda cracker, like, like just narrowing down the field of things that you have seen and heard and witnessed and experienced. So where are you taking us today with respect to your story? Absolutely. I, I, I'll start with the end. You make a valid point. I have been gone a long time. I've been gone a generation at this point. And I think that's key in understanding where I am in the healing process, how I've, I've reached that healing. I've been gone long enough for me to heal from that and to hopefully also break the curse over my children. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about that as I share my testimony, why over my children. Um, so my experience with church hurt actually 
relates to having a child, um, not only out of wedlock, but as a teen. Um, and so I am a teen mother. I was a teen mother. I'm oh, my old lady now. Um, that child. I was young and, and now I'm old. <laughs> Right, right. That child is almost 30 herself. How about that? Um, right. So, you know, being a, a teenager who was active in the church, um, the church gave me a lot of my starts. It's where um, people poured into me. When they learned I was taking piano lessons, it was a sister who gave me an opportunity to play on Tuesday Bible study for a devotion. That went on to me playing for the choir that went on to me being a director in the youth choir at first, actually the junior choir at first, then the young adult choir, and then the adult choir. So I was a very active teenager in church, looked up to by our younger youth, um, admired by our older youth. And so when I became pregnant, there was a lot of shame associated with that and guilt just because of how old I was as a 16 year old and also because of my role in the church. But I knew that God forgave. And that God loves, and I knew the power of his forgiveness, and that he cast our sins into the sea of forgiveness. And so I walked the forgiveness journey in my faith, but then also had to walk it in front of the church. And so I know that you've spoken about the misogyny in the church and things like young ladies in particular having to go before the church to beg the church pardon, to ask Mm -hmm. forgiveness when caught in a sin. And of course, being pregnant is a public sin. Everybody sees that. And so I had to go before the church. And even as a 16-year-old, felt that there was something not quite right with that um, because forgiveness and justification of sin and reconciliation comes from God, not from man. And so I do even recall when I went before the church on that Wednesday, uh, which was the prescribed day for that particular local body, I remember saying to the church body that I was coming before them not to ask their forgiveness. I'd already sought that forgiveness with God, but to be asked to be brought back into right relationship with that local body. And that's the way that I saw that and thought that once I did that, that in fact would restore me in right relationship with that local body. But I was far, so far removed and so wrong. So wrong about what actually was going to happen. I want to pause you right here because I know that some people who are not familiar with church politics and rules and regulations and I, I emphasis church uh, politics not biblical not scriptural even though they tried to use scripture to justify it but it wasn't that she needed to go in front of the church as she said you know to apologize to be right with god the church said she was an active visible youth member And so if she was going to continue to be active in ministry, if you were going to continue to be in the choir, if you were going to continue to be out front serving in ministry, then that was the requirement. Now, there were many people, women, young ladies who were like, no, I'm not doing that. And they were sat down. They were barred from serving in ministry. So I want to make sure that you guys understand that clarification that this was not biblical. This was religious. Okay, go ahead. And I will even add to that how many young men were not held to the same standard who, because they did not physically show that they had gotten someone pregnant or done something wrong, were able to kind of skate through. And again, so we see those kind of differences between the genders in the church again. And and that is difficult to reconcile also and something that I struggle with during my process of church hurt. So 
Um, I thought again that apologizing to the church body would then restore me in right order with my fellow believers. What it did was open conversations. There were telephone calls made between brother so so and so and sister so and so. Oh, did you hear that? Andrea is pregnant, and oh, you know, so became gossip. You know, not a let's reach out to this young lady and see how we can help her, see how we can nurture her, see how we can you know keep her in the faith and see if she has any social or emotional or financial needs. It was you know how can we continue to um, spread this kind of slander about her. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. There were members of the church who did reach out to me, who stopped by and delivered diapers, who said, you're not the first and maybe you're not going to be the last and you will succeed in this. But there were also the finger waggers and the eye rollers and the whisperers, you know, that I did hear and sense and, and felt shame in that. It was almost like wearing that scarlet letter. Um, that book we read in high school that I had this best on my right. Yes, you were the Hester Prynne, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, you know, moving forward, I had my daughter, you know, graduated high school with honors, got a full ride to DePaul, you know, and even in the full ride to DePaul, church members said, mm, how'd she get that? She don't deserve that. Um, how'd she get a church scholarship? She had a baby. Again, I've already established right relationship with the church. So I should not continue to be punished, per se, for what I've already asked for forgiveness from God for and establish right relationship with the church. So let's fast forward about six years from that moment. So I'm about 23 at this point, and I'm considering marriage. I've graduated high school. I've graduated college. I am working actively in a career. I am active in even more ministries at this point. From a leadership perspective, I've completed the teacher's training class and I'm teaching on Tuesdays and on Sundays. I am active in the adult choir, still serving the youth choirs, um, working with the youth ministry, uh, working on the youth newsletter. So at that point, I'm there almost seven days a week. You was being and a super saint. I was a super saint. Tithing, you, you <laughs> name it. I'm, I'm all in. Dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's. Lord has forgiven me. I'm in right relationship with my body. I'm growing in faith. I'm studying to show myself approved. There are some things I'm still questioning now that I've studied that are not quite making sense and lining up with God's word to me, but I'm still, I'm here. I'm here for you. I'm, you need somebody. Here I am. I send me. I'll go. Get ready to get married. And my friends are telling me, girl, you know, you can't have no wedding. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yes, I can. I, I went before the church. I mm-hmm. begged the church pardon. I, I've asked to be forgiven. You have a baby. You can't have no wedding. So I go and make myself an appointment to meet with the pastor of the church. And in fact, there it is. And he lays it out for me. Um, you cannot have a full-fledged ceremony. You can have a, a what they call it, stand-up. Shotgun. Shotgun. Stand-up. Mm-hmm. You can have a stand-up ceremony. You can have one bridesmaid you can have a groomsman or whatever in your family and that's it and it crushed me because literally here I am recalling the moment when I went before the church and how hard that was and how I felt like I had done everything to prove that I was worthy I was I was working in the church I was studying I was teaching I was active I was tithing I didn't leave like some had left and here you are 
six, seven, eight years later, still drudging up something I had already done, something God had already forgiven me for and healed me from. It was like pulling a scab off a wound. And imagine pulling the scab off a wound that was already healed some seven, eight years later. I was devastated. Absolutely devastated. As you should have been. And listeners, I just want to point out, the Bible says that when we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all, un- cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It says he separates our sins as far as the East is from the West. He, matter of fact, Corinthians says love does not what keep a record of uh-huh. wrongdoing. And so here it is. The church then kept the record. Y'all keep going. So um, I asked, I said, well, what are the scripture references again? Because at this point, remember, I was a trained teacher. What are the scripture references that I can go read and pray on to justify this being okay? And so I was given some scripture references and I said, okay, I would take them and read them. And so at that time, my friends used to call me the memo queen. I would write a letter or a memo about something in a minute because I felt like I could get all my feelings out on paper. And I remember sitting down to write the pastor a letter about how I felt. In particular, one of the scriptures he gave, and I can't quote it directly, but it talked about, right after that, it talked about illegitimate children not being able to worship for generations. And remember, a generation is a period of about 18 to 20 years. And I wanted to say the scripture says for 10 generations. So we're talking about for almost 200 years, illegitimate children could not come to worship. And so I asked in my letter, if that is the case, if that is the scripture that we're going to run with, it justifies why I cannot go before God in a marriage ceremony, a ceremony where he he likened unto his church. He calls us the bride. So I can't enter into this covenant with the person who I loved at that time and and walk the aisle because of this scripture. Then why then would we have these members? If, if that's the case, you're about to learn how to lose half your membership. Okay. Because I'm sure, sure some of them are illegitimate children. Then I was told I was being troubled. And I was questioning the man of God and you know, and I didn't have that authority. And I was I was borderline being disobedient. And so at that point, I decided in my heart, okay, this then must not be the place for me to continue my membership. I continued to serve in the capacities that I had agreed to serve until um, I felt that the Lord had fully released me um, to to leave and um, and go attend another church. I did leave appropriately. I left my letter. So I did call the church and ask for my letter to go to the church where I now attend. Um, even that was met with some controversy. Oh, she going to have to meet the pastor. Why? I have decided to follow the church model, which at that time was bring them in, build them up, and send them send out. Them out. <laughs> I, have, I have been brought in as a child. I have been built up. And if the truth be told, I'd actually been torn down and built up again. And it was time for me to be sent out. And in my sending out, unfortunately, my attitude at that point was, okay, the church that I'm going to go to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a bench member. I'm going to come to church on Sundays, pay my little tithes, and go home. I don't want nobody to know me because I don't want anybody to judge me. I don't want anybody to know me because I don't want to know the politics of the church. I just want to be a member and be fed and go home. And they say, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plan. And so, of course, that's not how it 
how it's all about. Listeners, how many of you can relate to this? Because I promise, as soon as she said that, do you know those are my exact words? She and I both come through the choir ranks and people were like, oh, are you going to be in the choir at your new church? I said, no, my name is Keisha. Like, don't listen. <laughs> I'm going to pay my little tithes. I'm going to go in there and experience God. And then I'm going to go out the door. So I have a feeling you're about to say that ain't how it worked out for you. Don't no, jinx so, me. No, I'm playing. <laughs> no. So when, when you join the church that I'm at now, they have you select the ministry. And that ministry reaches out to you readily to tell you what their dates are, whatever. So, of course, I chose the choir. But again, I'm feeling if I sing in the choir, I'm just going to be a singer. I'm not going to wave my hands. I'm going to just be a regular old member. And as fate would have it, my best friend at the time was teaching at the same school as our director of music. So I'm in choir rehearsal and our director of music is going through his end of rehearsal notes. And he goes, I'm looking for Andrea. See me after rehearsal. (laughs) Okay. So I go to see him after rehearsal and he's encountered my best friend who's told him, you have a choir director sitting in your choir right now, not doing nothing. And at the no, end, she didn't. <laughs> and the director for the children's choir was actually becoming the assistant director of the adult choir, and they needed an assistant director of the youth choir. So that's how I started working with the youth, and I'm still there today. Now I no longer direct, but I am the co-chair of the high school choir. And <laughs> so, yeah, again, if you have plans, tell them to God, and He's going to laugh. So I am active at my current church. Um, and enjoying it. It, is, it has been, it has allowed me to heal in such major ways to experience friendship with um, believers, to see both men and women serving in leadership. Uh, we have women ministers, we have women deacons. Our pastor often says, if a woman was good enough to bring the word into existence, remember Jesus came through Mary, then why can't she bring the word from the pulpit? Oh, let me grab my tambourine. You know, I got one. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) You know, seeing a church be active in um, social justice and, you know, realize that there's state that there needs to be a church presence in what is going on in our community, in our state and in our world. Being able to departure. It's a drastic departure from what we were taught because the church we came from, the pastor was like, the Bible didn't tell you to be out there in them streets marching, you know, you, you watch and pray. That's what you do. And that is so counter. And oh, we should say this. This is important because denominations, they do matter, not in the grand scheme, but they matter in the context of this story. The, the church that, that Andrea and I w- were raised in is a Southern Baptist church. Southern as in owned slaves once upon a time. Oh yes, a massa. That sort that that is the genesis, and they are affiliated with that doctrine. And so a lot of what you're hearing, if you're thinking, man, that sounds like slavery, it's because it was. Right. Modern day. So I wanna wanna pivot a little bit because you you found a new place, a new vineyard to to use your gifts and and experience healing. But I wanna to dig a little bit deeper. One, into how that healing was brought about, because, you know, you kind of went into this with your arms folded, like, you know, I'm here, but I'm not really here. And two, you had mentioned earlier 
about your children and, and kind of like the disruption of cycles. And so how do you see all of, of that coming together, the healing and the impact on your children? So when we talk about, we talk about the misogyny in the church. And I remember vividly one day after Sunday school, my daughter coming upstairs being distraught. And she was distraught because they were going around asking each of the children what they wanted to be when they grew up. And my daughter said a preacher. And the teachers laughed at her. Mm. Laughed. And then brought her to me like, you better tell her she can't be no preacher. No, I'm not going to tell her that. I'm not going to tell her that she can't be a preacher because she certainly can. She might not be a preacher here, but she certainly can be one. And I firmly believe that had we not gone to the place of worship that we are at now, where she was able to see women serving in a variety of capacities and being able to her own self-serve as a young person, she was able to go to Haley Farm which is a um, institute that's, ha- that's held in the summertime to help build youth leadership as it relates to social justice. She served repeatedly on the youth revival committees. She was active in the choir all the way up to she went to college and, and she moved back to um, the area where we grew up. And so I think that if we had stayed there, I think that that could have been detrimental not only to her relationship with the church, but to her relationship with God because mm. her calling was laughed at mm. just because she was deemed less than or unable to serve because of her gender. And how many other children suffer like that because they are fed misinformation or misinterpretations of God's word. I think that, you know, when we stay certain places out of obligation, we have to be careful of not only what it does to us as adults spiritually, but what does it teach and say to our young people, especially a young people coming up now where they are tired and frustrated with the whole church experience because it doesn't seem real and authentic. They they relate more to the at-home church or the casual church because it breaks away the constructs of formalism and ritualism of church and the church experience. And um, I think that that's important for us to consider as you talk about walking this journey to being healed and whole from church hurt is not only reflecting on the experience of what it has for you, but what does it have for your children and for the generation that is to come? The the tambourine is out, y'all. Now, listen, she spoke a whole word. I can end the podcast right here, right now, because here's the thing. You know what? Being at a church is like dating a man. Being a, if, if you're at a bad church, okay, it's like being in a relation, in a bad relationship and he tells you all these things. Oh, you ain't never going to be nothing. Or girl, you crazy for trying to do this. Didn't support your dream. Didn't have your best interest at heart. Always treated you like a second class citizen. And so because this is your formative experience with that man, you think this is how men are. But yes. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. No, that's how that man is. That's how that church is. Because when you step outside the four walls, because it does become 
I don't want to use the word cult-like, but almost, there's definitely a culture there, yeah. okay? And when you step outside of that and you see, wait a minute, all churches are not like this? No. Right. Wait a minute. Women can do this and women can do that? Yeah. What? I, ooh, uh, yeah. All men are not, you know, low down and dirty. You know, all all women are like low down and dirty because I know I have men that listen to this podcast like, don't just be on us. Yes, I know. <laughs> men and women can be scallywags. Okay. But, but the point is, is that too often a church experience, especially one that when you grow up like a tender plant in that environment, you know, you grow up in church and that is, is your primary experience. It really can do exactly what Andrea said. Not only will it, it taint your experience and leave a bad taste in your mouth, but also for your children, because your children are growing up watching you experience this hurt and wrestle with these conflicts and all of those things. And this is also why, and I know I sound like a broken record, when the Bible says study to show yourself, you know, right. I had yeah. when uh, Andrea, she she listened uh, into the Church Hurt webinar, which, you know, if you guys missed that, you can catch the replay on readytobelieve.com. But the thing is, your pastor is a man. The preacher is, is, is a, or a person, okay? Even if it's a woman with a whole history and in the same way that we go through life, we show up in our jobs and we show up in marriages and we show up in friendships with things that may not be resolved, issues that may not be healed, doctrines that we just can't shake, toxic doctrines that we just can't shake. And then we bring all of that into the church and we expect that they're going to be whole and healed and restored when for so many decades, Black churches didn't even believe in therapy. That was blasphemy. You better call on right. Jesus and, and leave it alone. And so the the thought that, you know, the man behind the pulpit or the woman behind the pulpit has worked through their own salvation with fear and trembling, worked through their own issues is a massive assumption. And we have to start kind of like taking a step back and not putting so much emphasis on the pulpit and make sure that the priority is always the word. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for, I'm, I, I'm, it's a blessing for me to be able to have this conversation with her because as I said, she's been gone a long time, you know, and she comes and here's the thing. She comes back to visit, you know, her mom still attends that church and, and my mom, you know, still attends that church, even though I think my mama got one foot out the door at this point. But the point is <laughs> the relationships that you build there with people, you know, and the and even the good memories that were made there, those are things that are always going to be near and dear. And yet to everything, there is a season to everything. There is a time and place. And there's no way that Andrea could have stepped into all of the things and met all of the people and been granted all of the gifts that were in store for her had she stayed in that den of oppression. Same with me, you know, I can't show up to this podcast and deliver these things to you when I feel like my soul is crushed week in and week out. So listeners, thank you so much for listening. We are going to have other stories in the, in this podcast series, but Andrea, I want to take the time to thank you so much for being transparent and sharing and being a witness to how God has turned all those things around. Thank you so much for having me and for allowing me to share. I hope that what your listeners hear today will lead them also 
to healing and restoration and that they would truly hear the heart of what we share today and um, be delivered as well. Yeah, because there's church hurt, y'all, but there's also church healing. And I think your story is a perfect example of that.